You're listening to the American Girl Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Sydney. And this is the American Girl Fan Club. Oh my gosh, Kristen, so much has happened in our lives since we recorded our last episode, uh, which listeners might not know was over a month ago now. And Kristen, I know that you started your own theater company. How has that been going? It has been completely wild. I am so, so fortunate that some of the families that I used to work with decided to sign up to work with me again. I'm so, so excited. We're going to be directing The Wizard of Oz. And I've been working with these kids for five years, some of them. So it's just really special that they come to work with me at my own company now. But what was really crazy is the week I launched my website, I got a call from my former company that I was working for. And on Tuesday night, they said, hey, Kristen, could you come in? I don't know what was going on, but for some reason, it wasn't working out. And I had to direct a show in three days. Oh, my gosh. And those kids jumped on board. I was ready to go. And they did the whole show in three days. Friday, the parents came. I had to go backstage and cry afterwards because (laughs) I was so, like, shocked and proud of these kids. It was incredible. such an undertaking. Oh, my gosh. I I mean, I I don't doubt that you could do something like that, but I feel like you're kind of the only person I know who could pull something like that off. So I know I was exhausted Amazing, I'm sure. (laughs) But I also know that you got married this past month. I did. How was that? Wonderful. I'm I'm so happy. I was hand sewing my wedding dress a few days before uh, I had to walk down the aisle, but it all got done. (laughs) Very happy. And um, when it came down to the reception, I know I mentioned earlier on an episode that my mom and I were making a replica of Felicity's summer gown um, in my size. And I put it on. I even brought my Felicity doll out for a couple minutes just to kind of match. But um, I had a couple of my own childhood best friends there. And as soon as they saw me, they were like, oh, my gosh, I love the Felicity moment, which was it was wonderful. Just having having that kind of support group and the friends who know the nostalgia and love it as much as I do was wonderful. So fun. I saw those pictures on Instagram. (laughs) You look so beautiful. Those dresses were incredible. So it's amazing that you guys made those together. Thank you so much. And a lot of people within the AGIG community was like, you should bring an American girl in your honeymoon. And I was like, oh, well, that's not really what I want to do on my honeymoon. But I thought... It would be really fun if I brought mini Nellie with me since like I'd be kind of taking her back home to Ireland. And so I have her with me now. I did end up taking her with me. I took a ton of pictures. And as you can see, her hair is still like very windblown by uh, all the Irish wind that was galing at us. In every she direction. had a wonderful trip, I bet. <laughs> it was it was so fun. And she has a lot of memories and a lot of adventures. And I'm so happy that I ultimately decided to bring her along. And even my husband was like, oh, you should take out Nellie for this. Like, let's get her, you know, on the cliffs here. You know, that sort of a thing. That's so. so sweet. After both of us taking a short break from recording to celebrate these big events in our lives, we're so happy to be back and especially excited to dig into an episode I've been wanting to do for such a long time. Seriously, if you know me, you know how excited I am to talk about all things Kaya. Mm-hmm. Kaya <laughs> was what started it all for me. She was my very first doll. And even though my collection has grown, she is still so deeply important to me. Kaya as a doll is just so stunning. And I received her for Christmas in 2003. uh, And I wanted all of her things, her horse, her fall, her beautiful clothes, everything. As a kid, I remember wishing American Girl made even more and more clothes and accessories for her. But as we're going to learn today, there is so much that goes into creating and designing things for historical characters, especially a character with such deep cultural significance as Kaya. 
I know. I adored her collection so much as a kid. I loved especially her doll. It just meant so much to me. I, I love her collection. After reading Kaya's book as a young kid, I remember going out to my shrubs and spending two full days trying to make finger cakes, which is a food that's described in Kaya's books. And I even made my own mortar and pestle from some rocks I found. And Kristen, I got totally destroyed by mosquitoes, but I I felt like those bites actually added to the authenticity of the situation and that I was living the authentic life of Kaya. So it was, <laughs> it was 100% worth it. Uh, but I also remember um, making like dozens of little baskets for my dolls too. I know that basket weaving was pretty prominent in Kaya's stories and I got some jute rope out, jute rope and raffia and I did my best to weave something together and then I would go back into my woods, aka my my backyard, and fill them up with like berries from our bushes. And I just, I have so many good memories um, just inspired by Kaya's books. I actually learned how to basket weave too because of Kaya and it's something I can't remember how to do. I need to pick that up again. One of our main goals in hosting the show is to really show a behind-the-scenes look at what actually goes on behind the scenes at American Girl. And we can't think of a better story to tell than the story of creating Kaya. Kaya is so special for so many reasons. The character and her story are truly incredible. But what is really unique was the process of how Kaya was created. Through in-depth research, partnerships with incredible advisors from the Nez Perce tribe, and so much passion from everyone involved, American Girl created the truly authentic, beautiful story of Kaya. To share a behind-the-scenes look at what creating Kaya was like, we are honored to have two incredible women here with us today to tell their story. Anne McCormick is a Nez Perce tribe member who worked closely with American Girl on the advisory board. She helped AG design the doll and provide accurate depictions of Nez Perce culture. She has also worked with the Nez Perce tribe for 25 years and is currently the economic development planner. We are also joined by the incredible Janet Shaw, the author of Meet Kaya. Janet works closely with Anne and other members of the Nez Perce tribe to help shape Kaya's story, her character, and her world. Janet has also authored a number of other AG books, including the Kirsten stories. I'm so excited to talk with them both today. Hi, Janet and Anne. Hello. Hi. We are so happy to have you both here. And this is a conversation we are thrilled to have. Kaya is so near and dear to both of our hearts. And it's just truly an honor to talk to you both today. Absolutely. Like Sydney said, Kaya is so special to both of us. She was actually my first doll. Uh, What drew me to her was that, of course, that she's absolutely beautiful. But what really drew me to her was her strength, her courage, curiosity, and her adventure. Uh, Janet, what inspired Kaya's story? Can you share a little bit about how the ideas for this character came to reality? When we knew we were going to be working with the Nez Perce people, we assembled an eight-person advisory board, seven women and one man. They were my teachers, and my collaboration with them was the most exciting part of my work when we were going to create the character of Kaya. We gathered around a long meeting table. Rodney, the only man on the board, was asked to offer a prayer. He's about 6'4" heavy set with a barrel chest and long black braids. I expected him to murmur something like, bless us, Lord, when he stood and began to sing a rising and falling chant that raised the hair on the back of my neck. The chant became stronger and stronger and more intense. 
It filled the room, finally tapering off. No American girl meeting had ever had a more riveting beginning. And I learned that in the Nez Perce culture, all prayer is sung prayer. Wow. That must have just been incredible. That is just absolutely beautiful. <laughs> um, and how did your tribe feel when being approached by American Girl to partner in this project? Thank you for asking. Actually, uh, there were not anybody that I came across when I first talked to them about the American Girl company that they knew about it. So in being able to talk about the project to them was difficult. So what happened is that the representatives from the American Girl Company took it upon themselves to come out here for like a year and a half, about five times, to be able to come and meet with different tribal members, to meet with different organizations within the tribe, to educate them about what the American Girl was all about. So finally, when they asked if the Nest First Tribe would consider being part of this project, there were some people that were aware of the value of the American Girl and the project. So that was, I think, the saving grace to be able to make the inroads to get the permission to have the Nest First Tribe involved in making the first Native American character. And have you ever worked with other brands in this capacity in terms of creative storytelling and product design? My background is that I had worked formerly on a very large plateau museum exhibit over uh, about an eight-year period of time that had a catalog with it. Then I worked on a Nest First Tribe art exhibit of contemporary art that also had a catalog with it. So that was my background in knowing about what can happen with the uh, written word and also with seeing the material culture of the public. So I was very enthusiastic about this project from the beginning. But of course, the question always is about the trust. And so that's what we needed to um, reconcile among ourselves was, could we take the risk and could we have the faith in the American Girl Company to represent the tribe accurately? Well, to follow up with that, and um, we know that choosing to agree to work with American Girl was a really big decision for you and your tribe. Um, and when agreeing to share so much about your personal traditions and experiences, was there ever hesitation that doing so would actually negatively impact your community? Yes, because our history is not very good of being portrayed accurately. There have been films made, there have been books published, and they were not always truthful because people didn't do enough research or care that much. That was really what the question was in the tribe is, can this project be different than that? When you bring up trust and building that, how were you able to build up that trust with Janet? Like, what at what point did you feel like, okay, we are safe with letting her tell this story? So that's one of my treasured memories. When we had the first retreat of the advisory committee and the American Girl team come together with Janet present. Like she said, we were all in the room together. We were going to spend several days together and it was uh, looking at the first agenda. But of course, the advisory committee had never met anybody that was from the American Girl or Janet. So I came into the room 
And I think almost everybody was there. And Janet, being the elegant, beautiful self that she is, with her just gorgeous blue eyes, came walking up to me. And she put her hand out. And I didn't know who she was. And uh, she shook my hand. I, I, of course, offered my hand. And she looked at me with her deep blue eyes. And she said, quietly but distinctly, I just want you to know that I've read 96 books on the Nest First Tribe as research to be able to come to this meeting today. And I said, oh, that's excellent, really quick. But I was really thinking in my mind, I didn't know we had 96 books written on the Nest First (laughs) Tribe. So this lady really is a researcher. And that kind of made me feel relaxed. Like if somebody was going to offer up that they had done so much in preparation just to meet us, it made me feel comfortable, more comfortable. Absolutely. Janet, can you share a little bit about what it was like collaborating with the advisory board? Well, I'd introduce a story idea to the advisory board. I'd have the manuscript. There would be a meditative silence, and then they'd tell me why my idea wouldn't work. (laughs) Then they suggest another direction that would be more in tune with their culture. I'd start all over again with their thoughts in mind. And eventually my editor would send off a copy of that draft to each board member. It was in that round of reviewing that the board moved the story toward what was more authentically Nez Perce. I remember very well the first story I got back from the board with their comments. And the first comment I read, maybe this was from you, Anne, was, why is this girl speaking so disrespectfully to her grandmother? I'd had Kaya speaking the way my grandchildren speak to me. I don't want to do that right now, Grammy. You can bet I didn't use my grandchildren for role models again. That is so sweet, though. I think it's really important that uh, listening to each other sounded like it was a very vital point in creating Kaya's story. Can you give us an idea of how much Kaya's story you already had in mind originally and how much of it was built together? I don't think I had any part of her story in mind originally because I needed to meet with the board and hear their stories. Most of the stories in the Kaya books are stories that were told to me by people in the tribe or people they knew in other tribes. And they became stories in the Kaya books. Really interesting. And it, it, I did want to know if there were any specific inspirations or stories or people behind Kai and her story. Was there anything that you read um, that you either put into Kaya's book or any of her characters within her world? Were they inspired by real people or real stories that the Nez Perce passed down? They were all inspired by real stories that the Nez Perce passed down. None of them were my idea. I was recording their stories in these books. And I was also learning myself about the Nez Perce people. I thought that if I asked the right questions, I'd learn what I needed to write about my character. I gradually realized I didn't have any idea what the right questions were. If I asked the Nez Perce men how to catch salmon, they answered 
with their gratitude to the salmon for returning each year and giving themselves to the fishermen as nourishment for the people. I was asking small questions about facts. The Nez Perce were teaching me a spiritual attitude toward life itself. Wow, it's it's so apparent that just every part of Kaya was so thoroughly researched and thought about. And I would love to know if within Kaya's stories, if you know of any specific arc or moment that was inspired by a specific story. We had an especially difficult time working out how Kaya could get her horse back. Her horse had been stolen by raiders in book two and came back again in book six. Rodney, the single man on the advisory board, questioned whether Kaya could even find her horse again. The terrain, the time that had passed, when suddenly his face lit up. Wait a minute, he said. Something like that happened to me and a horse that I loved. And it could be really joyful experience for Kaya. He told us how, after having been away from home for a while, his mother sold a horse he loved. Then he encountered that horse of his in another part of the state. He summoned his horse to him with a special whistle that he'd always used to call her. His experience was the perfect solution because I was writing all six novels before any of them were published so I could go back to the first one and insert that special whistle that Kaya uses to reclaim Steps High in the last novel of the series. That is so special. And did you have one? It's the nickname that Kaya gets because that's one of the stories that I shared about knowing many people who have gotten nicknames like that. And I just thought, this is the kind of story that I don't think many people would hear. Uh, my relationship to that was that we get a baby name, then we get an adult name. But through life, you might get many nicknames, and it could be for doing something really great or doing something not so great. And so we know for Kaya, getting the name of Magpie was not very great, but she was a real learning lesson for her, and she wanted to rid herself of that name. I loved it because then Janet put it in the later book about how she redeemed herself by saving her um, sister and coming out of the whole family and the tribe acknowledged that. And so then the name went away. And so I, I just thought that was a distinct and unique story that we got to share. That is amazing. Is there any fun, exciting stories that you remember from creating Kaya's story together? I guess the first thing that comes to mind when I think of American Girl, rather than the stories, is my story of getting to be the person that got to go actually to the American Girl uh, compound and meet Pleasant Roland, and also to be able to tour the entire facility and to meet many of the people and see where the books and products were made and how they were made. So I really got to see the reveal of that before we started the project. So that helped me so much when we started working on everything. And 
my favorites were really meeting with the advisory committee because there was so much work done during that time, but it was such a love fest with everybody coming together because we would bring material culture there to show for the next phase. And then the fabricators would bring the product that they had made. And then Janet would have the new themes and stories that we were going to work on. And so it was such a collaborative, creative process that the time just would go by and everybody's like, oh, no, now we got a part, but we're having so much fun working on everything. It was just, it was really fabulous. And um, so all of the sessions that we had together, I think were so rewarding, both personally and then, uh, of course, with our commitment to the project. Does it feel special, you two coming together again right now to talk about this? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I haven't seen Anne since we brought out the first Kaya books and the first Kaya dolls to give to the children on the reservation. That was in 2004. It feels marvelous to see you again, Anne. <laughs> yes, I feel the same. <laughs> I remember most fondly my very many visits to the Nez Perce Res and the people I met there. I have such respect and admiration for them all, the children, their parents and grandparents, and their commitment to their culture and their history. I would like to know, uh, Janet and Anne, if you guys have any other behind-the-scenes stories that you think might surprise our listeners. Well, there's one of which I guess I would say it could also be considered like uh, a favorite story. And that was, again, our male counterpart to the advisory committee. We were all together, I think, in the third session, and we had gotten to looking at what the doll was going to look like. And we were in the phase of selecting uh, what the head was going to look like and, and her appearance. And so the question came up, how long should Kaya's hair be? How thick should it be? And what color should it be? And so the nest purses on the advisory committee were kind of looking at their hair and, you know, judging it and for texture and for color and everything. And when it got down to it, somebody looked at Rodney, our male counterpart, and said, he's a big man and he has braids clear down to his waist. And they're like this, they're very thick. And so then somebody said, actually, Rodney has the best looking Indian hair of anybody. <laughs> and, so, and so we all examined it. Oh, yes, Rodney, you have very good Indian hair. And so <laughs> he was generous enough to snip off some as a sample for the fabricators to take back to American Girl and use as an example. So that's how Kaya got her hair. Wow. It's amazing that her hair is so, so authentic. That is wonderful. Well, I'm wondering, do you have any um, favorite moments of working with Anne and the Nez Perce Advisory Board members? I think I remember all of my experience working with Anne and the Advisory Board. We always thought that the Advisory Board of the Nez Perce had a lot more fun than we did. <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit that. We were jealous of them. They laughed and they supported each other and they were such good companions to each other and to us when we were all together. Oh, as we were talking about Kaya's appearance, Anne, could you share with us a special, unique feature about Kaya 
That's important because we had quite a discussion about that. I think what Janet said earlier is really true. Everything that happened in Kaya's world for the fabricators and for Janet, I guess now hearing this now, was that they kind of had to throw out the mold, both for the format of the stories and also for the material culture. And that includes the head of Kaya, because typically Nest first features are such that we don't, we're not having a full smile. And so uh, if you'll notice, Kaya's mouth is closed. She's smiling, but her mouth is closed. And then her face is broader than the face used for the other characters. And also she has a shorter nose. And so it was quite remarkable to me since I understood that this was going to be at quite a cost to make this new mold for the doll. But since the advisory committee had said this was their preference, there was no question and they were willing to do that. Why couldn't she show her teeth as a doll? Because to begin with, you have a matter of respect and reserve and you're being respectful, like you're in the presence, but you're not showing any sign of emotion uh, when you first meet people. Are there any other product details you can share with us that are significant and authentic to Nest First people, like accessories and things like that? The corn husk hat was very important to me because it marks the plateau people and the Nest First tribe. And so it's very distinct. So I really lobbied for that. And then I was so glad that they acknowledged that and that we got the corn husk hat. So that was really important because I think it's a hallmark to the legacy of the character. And then the other thing was the buckskin dress and using quill work because later on then beads replaced quill work. And then the other thing is the campfire. I opened up the package and the campfire had a little switch on the bottom of it and it lit up. And so when you put it in the teepee, it lights up the teepee and it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's such attention to detail. And But it, it made the difference, you know, rather than just something that you can see, it's a wonderful object, but then it almost comes to life because it actually glows. So it, it was, I thought it was a terrific addition to the collection. Having her campfire light up was very special to me as a kid. I mean, I, I love how many details American Girl incorporates in, into their dolls and their collections. But um, whenever I would set up Kaya's teepee and have the, the fire glowing, turn off all the lights and you can just see it going and she's like sitting over her fire. And it felt very much like I had stepped into Kaya's world. So I love, love that detail too. I'd really like to talk about the lasting impact of Kaya today. It's incredible to see the discussion and engagement with Kaya's story that is still happening today after so many years. Um, Kaya's been featured recently in museums and readathons to share more about Nez Perce's, uh history and traditions. And Anne, how have you seen the lasting impact of Kaya's story on the Nez Perce community? Well, through our co cooperative extension educator program, we have a Kaya club. And the club meets on a regular basis and they make traditional items for themselves and for their families. And they also go to events 
and they have functions. And one of the things that they recently produced is a Kaya snack recipe book. And in there, they're using traditional foods and local foods. The treats are really good. And they had many of them made. And so they're handing them out as gifts. And uh, my grandchildren receive some and uh, they use it all the time. So they're kind of combining the past with the present and making it relatable in today's time. I love that. I was just telling Kristen earlier today that as a kid, I would come to my little shrubs in my backyard and I attempted at trying to make my own finger cakes uh, based off of what was described in Kai's books. They did not go well. I think I should probably see this recipe and try it again for myself, but that's wonderful. I'll send you the recipe book. (laughs) I would love that. It might be simpler. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask, do you think uh, the Nez Perce tribe still feels connected with Kaya's story today? But it's very apparent that they do. I have another little story for you. An elder was voted on to our executive branch of government. And then she became chairman. And in the 15-year anniversary, we had 100 dolls sent by the American Girl Company to give out to our nine-year-old girls. And she was in attendance of that. And so after we got back, she called me to her office and she asked me, she said, are there any of those dolls left? do you think I could have one on display here? Because I really like that doll. And she goes, I could tell everybody about Kaya. And I said, of course, we'll get you one and you can have it in your office. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it so much. The adults who adore these dolls. I mean, there's, there's so many of them out there. Well, why do you think that Kaya is considered to be one of American Girl's most prolific historical characters? Well, I think in the books... We're in Kaya's point of view almost all the time. And her feelings are like our feelings. Fear, love, hope, despair, determination. We can all identify with those feelings. And then she has adventures that I wish I'd had. I wish I'd had a horse. I wish I'd saved my sister from the river. I wish I'd been able to do the things that Kaya did in the stories. So I think children want to be that character. They want to be like Kaya. I think that's one reason that so many children love those stories. Absolutely. (laughs) Back when Kaya was released in 2002, you shared a very wonderful statement. Um, You said, and I quote, We hope her stories will provide a window to another world, one that may be clouded by stereotypes and bias, but will perhaps shine clearer with their newfound knowledge of the Nez Perce girl and a world gone by. And today, does this still resonate with you? And why do you think telling Kaya's story is so important? Well, I think it's more important than ever. When we have trying times, it's good to have something that you can rely on to validate what you're feeling inside and be connected. I think it's so important that we connect ourselves to nature and to each other. And I believe that the Kaya Stories does that. And it just happens that these stories are about Native American Nest First Girl. But, you know, she wants, she would want, I think, in today's time to be a friend or to meet all peoples. I consider Kaya to be our best ambassador because she will always be beautiful. She will always be young. 
and she's a leader of her people. And so she's a wonderful representative to the world on behalf of the Nez Perce tribe. Because our people and all people continue to connect with Kaya in many ways, she is like an ordinary child, yet she is an extraordinary person with life ways different than theirs. I think people can see that and identify with that. I think the Kaya stories have a profound relevance to the tribe's legacy of today. We are a proud, resilient, thriving people. I believe the Kaya stories by Janet Shaw are rich and project the best of times for the Nimipu people that nourishes our spirit to take us to that place again and again. Yokolo. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Micaiah turns 20 years old next year, and she is just so special. And this conversation has made her even more special to my heart. So thank you both for joining us today so much. Thank you for having us. It was a wonderful journey, wasn't it, Janet? It is a wonderful journey. Our journey continues. Yes, yes. And we love it. That was one of my favorite conversations yet. I, I'm i blown away by how they were both so insightful and thoughtful. And it's obvious that Janet and Anne just became so close through the entire process of making Kaya. So biggest thanks to both of them for being here with us today. I, I feel like I could have talked to them for hours. Kristen, what was your favorite moment? Just overall, I think what the biggest takeaway I have from this whole interview was that American Girl themselves took so much care and concern uh, and respect towards the Nez Perce tribe uh, and the culture that became Kaya as a character. I, I think that was just so special. And the relationship that these two had was just so sweet. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely <laughs> loved seeing that in this interview. What was your favorite part? Yeah, well, part of it was just seeing them so excited to see each other for the first time in however many years. Like, they were just the biggest smiles, which is wonderful. But um, kind of tying into what you said, I was shocked when Janet said that she had read 96 books upon meeting Anne, like when they shook hands. I can't imagine kind of how nervous Janet might have been in her situation because she really wanted to do the research and um, do this story justice. And gaining the Nez Perce tribe's trust must have been like really daunting and so important. So I love that she did that. And I love that Anne was kind of taken aback and said something like, you know, I didn't even know we had that many books. I, I think that's wonderful. And it really kind of gave me chills. We also have a voicemail from an American Girl fan and a woman of the Cherokee Nation who can speak to the impact of Kaya's story on her and her family. This is so incredible. Let's take a listen. At the tone, please record your message. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I was asked to speak briefly about my experience with Kaya and why I really like her. I was in college age in 2002 when she debuted, which was nowhere near target age. But I had cousins at the time that lived out of state that were around that age, um, and which was a shame because I had written AG several times as a kid asking for them to make a Native and First Nations girl. I'm Eastern Band Cherokee myself, and in my family... We have family members that represent Ogallala Lakota, and clearly all of us were excited and looking forward to who she was and trying to guess what she looked like. But when she debuted, here was a doll that looked like my friends and my family. Even though we weren't Nez Perce, there are some things that we did share and have in common. 
we were finally being represented not as a stereotype, but as real people. The best part was how AG had woven the continuity of her stories with stories of Native and Indigenous peoples today. And that's something that they've done in general with some of the other Looking Back books, that they really used it and came full circle with her stories. And that it was important that if she was real, she would speak her language and know her ways and vice versa. That despite the colonization, we have endured, all of us, not just her people, but all First Nations people. Also, it was fantastic to just see that she has long hair. Among many First Nations people, hair is really, really important, and it is among my family. Um, many of us wear it long as an act of rebellion and remembrance, so to have her do that has just been fantastic. But we introduce our family and our cousins to the books because the books are really the heart of the American girls, and they're what I introduce my friends to when I say, hey, if you've got girls you're, you know, around that age, why don't you read the books? So thank you very much, guys, for having me, and it's been fun talking. Thank you again. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to American Girl Fan Club. And don't forget to write a review wherever you get podcasts. It really helps us out. If you're 18 and older, you can also give us a call at 206-395-6096 to share your favorite American Girl stories on our voicemail. And we might share them on the show. While you're at it, check out my Instagram at five hens and a cockatiel. And my Instagram at ag underscore for all ages. And don't be afraid to DM us. You can follow American Girl on Instagram at American Girl Brand for more updates on your favorite dolls, books, and of course, the shows on the American Girl Podcast Network. <laughs>